Feminist Camp is amazing. It's a week-long conference for college-age feminists, and they spend every day in New York City going around and meeting, just meeting, that's it, it's so simple, meeting with people who do feminist work in a bunch of different fields. Neither of my parents went to college. I had no idea what I was going to do after college other than be done with college and have a college degree. And so I went there and we just, it completely blew my mind that there was like people in medicine, people in publishing, people in law, people who are artists, all doing work that they consider feminist. And it sort of lifted the veil for me in terms of what was possible with my career. Welcome to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. I'm your host, Kenna Klosterman, bringing you true stories from behind the lens and behind the lives of our favorite photographers, filmmakers, and creative industry game changers. From their struggles to their wins, we get the real human stories about why they do what they do. I believe there is something to learn from everyone's story. Listen, get inspired, and discover why, in the end, your creative journey is all worth it. Carly Romeo is a photographer, a feminist, and a serial project starter. She founded her wedding company, Carly Romeo & Co., in 2015, and since then, she and her growing team have shot over 100 celebrations of love and partnership. Her projects include running a boutique conference for college-aged feminists called Feminist Camp, and she is the co-founder and hype woman for Catalyst Wedding Company. She also hosts photographer workshops like Feminist Photo Vacay through her new endeavor, Here Now Magic. This is We Are Photographers with Carly Romeo, and this is her story. So welcome, Carly. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here with me. That was a great little dance. Really appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, Gotta keep our spirits up. That's right. Um, (laughs) The time we are recording this um, is a very unprecedented time in, well, our lives and the lives of most people that we know. And so I just want to address that from the top um, that uh, we're having probably a slightly different conversation than, you know, than we might be have had just a few weeks ago. So first of all, how are you and your loved ones doing? Um, What are what is keeping you sane right now? Um, We're doing fine. I'm an extrovert. So this is really hard for me. Um, but we're hanging in there, you know, we live in Richmond, Virginia, and it's a pretty small city. So we're able to still go to parks or walk around our neighborhood without really interacting with people or seeing people. So that's good. Um, and then we've been doing a couple, some of my friends and I've been doing a couple like photo challenge types of things online. So basically zoom is saving my life and walks around the neighborhood and that's it. What kind of photo challenges have you been doing? So we started with a self-portrait challenge just to like get everyone sort of, you know, loosened up and getting their creative juices flowing. Uh, But we've been, uh, we kind of brainstormed as a group, a bunch of different topics. And now I've set up like an online 
spinning wheel, like a prize wheel with all of the ideas. And so um, today we actually did a show and tell for our most recent challenge, which was double exposure. So that was a really tough one for a lot of people because it's not like a usual method. Um, so we practiced that. And then coming up on Monday, our challenge for Monday is um, artificial light. So we'll see what happens. It's very like DIY and, you know, casual, just something to keep the creative juices flowing. Exactly. And, and it's, it's actually so cool to see all of the outpouring of projects and creativity that, that are coming out of this, as well as connections being made where just before we even get go further, where can people find the challenges that you are doing? Um, great question. So right now that's just in our private Facebook group for feminist photo vacay, but I think it's going to be, I think we're going to end up putting the photos on our Instagram for here now magic, which is just here now magic, you know, on Instagram. Um, it's kind of funny because I started here now magic recently as a, like a get off the internet, spend more time in person sort of project. And it has swiftly turned into a how to connect on the internet sort of project. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll probably put some of them on there. Yeah. So let's talk about Here Now Magic, because this is just very recently launched. It is um, your, your latest baby, and we'll go back and talk about um, some of the things <laughs> further in your past. But what is your intention with Here Now Magic and how, you know, once things in the world have changed again, uh, what, what is the goal? So Here Now Magic started as an umbrella for my other project called Feminist Photo Vacay, which is basically a group of us, mostly wedding photographers, but some family photographers who identify as feminists getting together um, it started honestly where I just booked a really big house and I was like, Hey, who wants to come to this house in Palm Springs with me? And it sort of evolved from there, but it's just like a three day work vacation where you get to, we do a shoot and you get to kind of push yourself creatively and do weird stuff and have fun and, you know, beef up your portfolio and that kind of thing. So I was doing that and it didn't really seem like it fit underneath Carly Romeo and co. Cause that's more just like straight up weddings, feminist weddings, commitment ceremonies, all that kind of thing. So I decided to create a different brand and a different project where I can start convening people in these same sorts of spaces um, where everyone who attends has like a common background or a common industry and then um, just like making space for people to explore that. So the idea was to, in 2020, launch a bunch of different like experiences and work workshops isn't really the right term because it's not necessarily like teachery. It's more like idea exchange. It's like non-hierarchical, but now who knows what's going to happen with it because we're all, you know, staying in our homes and not really spending time with people as much in person. So it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's on hold right now. We're just kind of in a holding pattern, just like everyone else in terms of in-person events. Nobody really knows what's going to happen in the next few months. So I want to jump then to your wedding photographer. <laughs> yes, I am. Weddings are being canceled. 
Weddings are being postponed for the most part. Postponed in the sense of if they were planning to have a a ceremony with other people. Some people just elope and and can still perhaps do that officially. But what have you seen um, in your own business? And then also sort of what is the, the wedding photography community? What are you seeing people doing right now? Um, for our business, we're, we've had a a few couples who have needed to reschedule their weddings and there's just a lot of like disappointment and anguish there. Um, and it's a really delicate dance to do in terms of the, um, the financial part of it as a small business owner, your relationship with your clients is the most important thing that you have. You want them to feel supported Um, but also you need to pay your bills. So we've kind of been navigating that a little bit. And I think a lot of other wedding photographers are also trying to navigate that honoring their clients and being respectful and helpful and loving to their clients, but also being, um, assertive enough to be able to maintain their business. Um, so that's kind of like the balancing act right now. And it's all infused with this, like, sadness and low grade panic and just like uncertainty and grief um, for all the things that we all had planned. So it's been tough. I think that people are starting to envision things for 2021 and feeling hopeful about that, which is great. Um, But yeah, it's just been a lot of sort of trying to go with the flow and, and strike that balance. I think that you bring up some really important points there in terms of, I mean, it, most photography businesses are are service-based businesses um, and amongst many other service-based businesses, including travel and tours and all these things where people have paid for things in advance. And so it is, it is a, a balance of you know, putting, putting that client relationship first uh, and yet also you know, what, what is realistic, what's, um, contractually there. Uh, have you, have you seen other sort of, um, tips or, or places out there where people are gathering as, as wedding photographers and sharing sort of best practices of what people are doing right now? Um, I've gotten a couple emails from, different brands and groups. I feel like I'm, I'm really inundated daily with each brand that I follows hot take on what to do. Um, but I think that the, the generalized advice doesn't really help people that much necessarily because only, you know, your clients and know what they need. Um, we've just been practicing really like, first of all, being very proactive, reaching out to our couples, letting them know we're here for them. We want them to be able to reschedule and we want to be able to accommodate whatever their new dates are. Um, I'm trying to think if anyone has had any really like noticeably good advice. I really, it's just like, I think we're all just sort of scrambling, honestly. And there's, there are some people or some brands that are trying to kind of capitalize on it a little bit. But uh, for the most part, people just don't have the energy. And, and now that everyone's cash flow is sort of diminishing slightly, no one really has the funds. So yeah, I think the best advice I've seen is just knowing your couples and talking to them and trying to figure out what works with them. But really, we're all just sort of like, in this 
sustained, not knowing state. So the other thing I think that I've seen a lot of people doing, uh, in addition to you're talking about here now magic and kind of pivoting what that even looks like and is, uh, but is a lot of people then focusing on sort of some of the core areas of their business so that when they come out of this, that they are thriving those things, maybe that you've put on the back burner. Um, and, and so it is, is there anything like that that you're focused on? Um, for me, I'm just, I'm really trying to figure out how to, what here now magic is going to be once all of this is over. I, I feel a little bit grateful for the extra downtime and knowing that once we're on the other side of this, everyone's going to be even more excited to spend time with each other in real life and build those communities and do that networking that's special to like the in-person networking. Um, yeah, I haven't, I'm not like beefing up my portraits portrait work or anything like that I'm really just kind of hunkering down and trying to um yeah be ready to to go back out when it's time um so yeah I mean honestly this is a really hard time for a lot of us and part of me just wants to be like listen I don't have the energy for much of this strategy stuff like I just want to stay in bed or I just want to eat my feelings and stuff like that. So yeah, it's been, I feel like we're starting to adjust to the new normal, normal, whatever that means. But yeah, my only real side project is just prepping for here. No magic. Yeah, that's it. And still being the hype woman for catalyst. Like we were, like we were saying before. So thank you for that because I think (laughs) there's a lot of people out there and we're all trying to kind of rally but yet it's also, let's talk about the real aspect of um, if I'm like, sure, I can be like working on this, that and the other thing. But I also just want to stay in bed and have a glass of wine. Yeah, there was an article the other day in the Harvard Business Review about how this is a grieving process. And I felt like that really resonated for me. And I, I really I hadn't read that particular thing or even you're, you've used the words as we've been talking today um, and before we got on the on the conversation filming. Tell, talk to me about how it's a grieving process for you. I mean, like I said, I'm an extrovert and I feel like when I spend time with people one-on-one, there's like an energy exchange. There's like, I, I just get so amped up when I'm around people and, and so energized by that. And knowing, like, just crossing these things off my calendar and sending these emails like, hey, this is postponed, or the Here Now Magic trip to Arizona is postponed, and all these things are postponed. It's like you're, it's like you have to grieve this, like, future that you don't have access to anymore, or that you might not ever have access to, but you definitely don't have access to it now. So it feels like this cycle of, like, you're sad, you're depressed you're a little bit in denial, you're angry, you know, the same stages that people go through when they're grieving. And, and we've seen our couples have to experience it too. A lot of people are like, no, it's not going to affect our wedding. Then they're starting to accept that it is, but it, but it's just devastating for them. So yeah, I think the, the biggest part, the biggest thing for me is to try to approach shit with patience and empathy. Um, my couples aren't really like so 
social media-y typically, but I'm thinking of maybe starting a Facebook group where they can get together and just talk about like whatever challenges they're experiencing around wedding planning. Because also they're, the people who do want to continue to plan are feeling like, well, it's not appropriate to be working on this when like we're in the midst of a global meltdown, you know? So I'm being such a bummer right now. <laughs> We're being real. You're right. You're right. We're being real. You're right. We're being real. So that's talking about the the present and the now. So now we can go back in time. Let's like forget (laughs) this. Yeah, forget this even happened. No, not forgetting it. It's it's happening. But I I I I do. I mean, the point of this podcast is always is to is to learn about people and and how they got to where they are today, and Mm -hmm. and so let's talk a little bit about why you started um that what was the need in the wedding photography industry that you saw and why you started your company in the way that you did as a feminist wedding photographer what is and what what does that even mean to you i know just as a like side note a lot of people say the word feminist and many people have different interpretations of what that means so what does being a feminist mean to you and then what is feminist photography okay Um, so being a feminist for me is a lens, sorry for the pun, but lens through which you see the world, um, that includes an awareness of how people's gender, um, how their sexual orientation, their race, all these different things affect, um, their opportunities, their lived experience and caring about working towards a world where someone's gender or their sexual orientation, their race, their religion, all those things don't, uh, doesn't hold them back in a systemic way or in an individual way. Um, so some, you know, it's, it's like a, a belief in the like essential equality of all people, regardless of what their identities are. Um, and I've always been a feminist. I was raised a feminist by feminist mom Um, and I studied women's studies when I was in college and I went into, um, feminist work after college. And when I started to tiptoe into the world of photography, I was just like literally renting a camera on the weekends, taking photos of my friends, trying to understand how cameras work, like that kind of stuff. Um, living in New York. And at that time I was transitioning into basically accepting that I didn't want to live in New York anymore. And I had to move to Virginia, which is where I am from. Um, and I just knew that I had to figure out a way to make money doing photography and weddings seemed to be the only option. So I was honestly very reluctant (laughs) to be a part of weddings. Um, I didn't have a lot of good associations with weddings. I feel like all the weddings I'd been to were very traditional and heteronormative and I didn't necessarily enjoy them. So I just decided that I would try to put my own spin on it. Um, and there were a couple other like life experiences throughout there that made me more and more sure, especially my partner and I having a celebration. We called it a love party, but, um, for all intents and purposes, it was like a wedding reception And we tried to find a photographer for that. And everyone was just like, not my vibe. Everyone was really 
invested all of the photographers we talked to really invested in the narrative of like boy meets girl and he proposed and now it's the greatest day of her life and like you've reached your pinnacle as a person you're getting married and stuff that I don't necessarily agree with so um but I think it's interesting though that 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 people were not even wanting to be your photographer it wasn't that they weren't wanting to. It was just that it didn't make sense to them. Like we were like, yeah, we're just having like a party and there's a band and we're having food. And they were just like, so they're like a ceremony. Like, what's the deal? Are you are you exchanging rings? Like every every like traditional piece of it wasn't part of it. And so it was it was just odd to them. And it was just honestly, I didn't really feel comfortable with a lot of them. I felt like I wasn't bridal enough for them. You know, like not only was I not wearing like a white gown, but I wasn't really wearing a gown at all. It was like a little dress that my mom made for me and it wasn't like a veil and I'm not changing my name and we're not doing rings. And it wasn't, it didn't, I felt like I was letting them down by not being bridal enough. So, so we ended up just getting a friend to do it. So flip that around then because have you personally having that experience allows you to understand what you're now able to offer. So exactly. how did you go about sort of branding yourself, if you will, or, or letting people know like, hey, I'm your person if you're not having a traditional wedding? Yeah, I mean, basically like that. I, I started my website with just like photos of friends that I had taken wherever. Um, a lot of like same sex couples, interracial couples and people who like visually indicate to people like non-traditional, um, for better or for worse, I guess. And I wrote this whole essay about, um, how my feminism and how, um, how my feminism influences my photography and how it influences my client experience, which is really that I don't put those expectations on them. And I don't assume that a woman is marrying a man and I don't expect to pose them in a certain way and make them adhere to certain gender norms or whatever. I just let them be who they are um, and like affirm them in what they are. And so that was it. Like my website was just like photos of my friends and a, and a long essay, which when I, I tell people this, but when I like pressed publish on that, I could just hear people like all these brides just running away in their giant tool gowns. Like I could hear it. And then people started coming to me and were like, oh my gosh, we're so relieved. We're so happy to find somebody who gets it. Like we're having a wedding, but it's complicated. We have weird feelings about it. I had my first cold call wedding because I did like a couple for friends, of course, like to start. But uh, my first cold call wedding was a was two women who were both in the military. They both had children from other relationships. It was very like, you know, a blended family lesbian wedding, military wedding, weirdly. And they um, they reached out to me and they were like, well, you're the only photographer we could find who even has photos of same sex couples on their website. And like, granted, this was back in 2015. So or 2014. It was a while ago. But um, it just like totally blew my mind. And that's when I realized kind of like, oh, I'm actually offering something much different. And people are noticing it. And when they see it, they're going to respond really well. I, I stopped being scared at that point. Like when I did publish that essay, and I was terrified that I had committed like career suicide, 
before even really having a business, um, those pe- that couple was very reassuring to me. And ever since then, it's just been sort of a snowball effect. It, it's so interesting to, for me when you say, oh, that was in 2015 and that wasn't that long ago. It's like, it's pretty wild to think that that things have changed that much in terms of acceptability of things and whether that's in the wedding industry or just in, you know, society at large um, in certain, yeah. you know, in, in certain places and parts of the world. Yeah. When I set that up, I Googled feminist wedding photographer when I was like setting all of my branding stuff up and nothing is creepier than Googling something and getting like three results. And then Google's like, that's all. And now, now there's other photographers out there who use that same term. There's photographers out there saying I'm an LGBTQ wedding photographer. There's, you know, folks who work specifically with like African American couples. There's a whole lot of different um, different Niches. communities yeah, yeah. yeah, that are being served exactly. now specifically. So exactly. it's awesome. So I can't have a conversation with you without mentioning you, you teased that, or you hinted at um, that you had a feminist career um, coming out <laughs> of school and you had what might be considered the dream uh, feminist job uh, working with Gloria Steinem. So just tell us a little bit about uh, how you, how you got that job and what, what you were a part of and what that meant for you. Oh my gosh. Um, well, first of all, we should say happy birthday, Gloria. Yesterday was her 86th birthday. I saw that. That's right. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, I can't believe she's 86. I know. Everyone says that. It's amazing. She's so not, I mean, I hate to say like, she's not like an 86 year old cause she is like an 86 year old. And that's kind of the point. But um, she's very, she's so energetic and spry and hilarious. And she stays up later than I do, honestly. Um, But so anyway, so what happened was, basically what happened was that I befriended a woman who had this job before me. And I was still in college. um, And I met this woman, Lauren, and... um, I got to know her. And then this feminist camp conference that I work on, I attended that camp as a senior in college. So that's really how I got to meet Lauren um, and, and Gloria's chief of staff, Amy. And I spent some time with them and I went to their conference. Um, and I went back to college, continued in college and just kind of like lightly kept in touch with them. And then after college, I got an internship at Planned Parenthood Federation, which is based in New York City. So I went up there and I was just, you know, emailing them and letting them know that I was in town and I'd really like to hang out and work with them or whatever. And then right when my internship ended, Lauren was moving away and they just were sort of like, do you want to take Lauren's place? Um, And it was a very odd, not odd job, but like a very, not like a real job, quote unquote. Like it was like part time with Gloria, part time working for Amy, doing this feminist camp stuff doing everything like from grabbing the um, the dry cleaning to researching things for Gloria's book, like everything in between. Um, but it was great. It was a really fun job. Um, and it was, it was my favorite part about it was traveling with Gloria and going to events with her because 
she she has so much love for young feminists, younger feminists and the next like generations. And she would often speak with her peers in, in events. And they would say, Oh, where are all the young feminists? They're so, you know, they're not grateful enough and they're not organizing like we are or like we used to and those kinds of things. (coughs) Sorry. And she would say, well, when I was young, I didn't go around saying thank you for the vote. And I fought my own battles. And they're fighting their own battles, too. And like, there was even one meeting that we had at the Ford Foundation, which is like this huge international philanthropic foundation. And I was sitting there at the big table. And they were like, Gloria, tell us, what is important to young feminists these days? Like, what's the new, what's the next, like, you know, big issue? And she was just like, why are you asking me? Ask her. And it was like this huge boardroom, like gold plated everything, like so fancy. And I was 23 and I was just like, uh, uh, thanks. Like, (coughs) I don't even think I had a good answer. I was just going to say, what did you, what did you say? No, I don't know. I don't even remember. I think I blacked out. I was so, so like intimidated, but the, the, the fact that she like cared enough about what I thought and she really like valued young people. um, Yeah. It's amazing. She's awesome. And she's also like very normal. Let's flip that to, now, I mean, because right now, the the youth, um, the youth, the youth, those young kids <laughs> are 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 standing up and and um, really doing things in amazing ways. I mean, I, I, it's kind of interesting to think about, like if Carly was, if Carly was fifteen, like insert fifteen year old Carly into today. And yeah. would you be doing things differently? Because that kind of gives a, a hint towards <laughs> kind of who you were back in that time, too, as saying that you were raised by a feminist mother and have kind of always been that way. Yeah, I think feminist Carly was very uh, or 15 year old Carly rather was very interested in her the world around her in the immediate sense. And I think that young people now, because we have the Internet and because we have globalization and like access to information and relationships with people all over the all over the planet I think the young people now are a lot more aware of and interested in things like climate change and you know the state of women across the world 15 year old Carly was definitely angry about the state of the world but her world was a little bit smaller because she didn't have google or cell phone (laughs) you know what I mean So, I mean, I think that the activism that's happening now around climate change is definitely like the next wave of what feminists and every other social justice minded person needs to be worrying about. Um, So, yeah, that's probably what I would say now if I was asked that now by random so-and-so at the Ford Foundation. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about your and you were running these camps like the what was the feminist camp for college age kids and and is it still 
is it still in existence? And yeah, what, what was the most meaningful thing, I guess, coming out of that for you? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Feminist Camp is amazing. It's a week long conference for college age feminists. And they spend every day in New York City, going around and meeting, just meeting. That's it. It's so simple. Meeting with people who do feminist work in a bunch of different fields. And that's the entire concept. Because when you're a campus feminist, and you're like, I don't what we're gonna end rape on campus. And we're gonna, you know, you're doing campus feminist stuff, you don't know necessarily how that translates into work, <laughs> paying your bills. Um, I came to it when I was a senior in college. I um, neither of my parents went to college, I had no idea what I was going to do after college other than be done with college and have a college degree. And so I went there and we just, it completely blew my mind that there was like people in medicine, people in publishing, people in law, people who are artists all doing work that they consider feminist. And it sort of lifted the veil for me in terms of what was possible with my career. And I think if I hadn't gone to that, it wouldn't even cross my mind to be a feminist wedding photographer. I just would have assumed, well, wedding photography is wedding photography, feminism is feminism, and these are like completely different worlds. Um, I'm trying to think of the most meaningful thing. I remember, well, I don't, hmm. there were just a lot of really great conversations that we had with the people that we met um, that totally opened my eyes about what it means to care about women and women's rights. Um, there was an organization called the National Advocates for Pregnant Women. It's a law organization. And the executive director of that organization came and spoke to us. Her name's Lynn Paltrow. And she explained that the rights of women who are pregnant in terms of like how they want to give birth, where they want to give birth, when, all those sorts of rights those are just as integral to like the feminist movement as abortion access and reproductive right, reproductive access and that kind of stuff. And like as a little bitty college feminist, it totally blew my mind and it, it just burst the whole thing wide open um, because there are states who make laws about like how women can, or how people can give birth and under what circumstances and all that kind of thing. Um, and they were working on lifting those, restrictions. Um, so stuff like that really um, just illuminated for me the fact that you can live your feminist values in whatever field you're in, whatever type of work you're doing. Um, if you're bringing that part of you to the table, then it can be feminist work. I love that because it, it just this concept of having the ability to um, put students in a place to see what the real world opportunities are. I mean, you just, you just don't even, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Yeah. I had no idea. I remember also having this aha moment where I was reading about, or we met with someone and they were like, Oh, well I do programs at the Ms. Foundation or whatever organization it was. And that means blah, blah, blah. And then this other one woman was like, well, I do development at this organization. And like, before then, I didn't know that development meant fundraising. Like, I had no idea. Um, stuff like that, just like little things. 
So yeah, it was really eye opening. And we do it every summer and every January, twice a year. Um, and we've been doing it for 15 years. So that's amazing. It's pretty awesome. I mean, it's kind yeah. of like why people why it's such a valuable experience for a lot of people to go and intern. Yeah, as a photographer, because <laughs> you, you don't know what you don't know. It's one thing to learn how to use a camera. Uh, and then it's another thing to understand what the opportunities are out there, what the different types of businesses that there are, um, all yeah. of it. Right? All like, it. I would never have imagined before I became a photographer that there's a specific type of photography for, like, stock photos for healthcare. Right. How would I know that? You know? Right. Well, let's talk about Catalyst Wedding Company, um, the magazine, the company. Like, tell me about what, what that is and why you are their hype woman. <laughs> um, hype woman is the role that I'm most comfortable in across the board. So that's just who I am. But Catalyst was started as a feminist wedding industry, like resource for couples and for people who work in the wedding industry. Um, kind of along the same lines as I was searching for other feminist wedding people and Googling it and not getting very many results. It, at that time there was just, everything was Barbie and Ken's dream wedding, young, straight white people on every, every, every magazine cover, every blog was just like beautiful, blonde, straight people getting married. And that wasn't reflective of who my clientele is. Um, so I got together with a couple of friends and we were like, let's start a magazine. We need something that'll be on the shelves at Barnes and Noble with a not straight white couple on the front. Um, so we started it. I can't remember what year. <laughs> Should have looked it up. Um, and we got in Barnes and Noble, which was awesome. Although insider tip, you make like no dollars from being in Barnes and Noble. Um, but it's like good exposure or whatever. Um, and now it's, we put the magazine, physical magazine production on hold and now it's mostly a blog, but it's just like the original resource for any sort of wedding inspiration, tips, all that kind of thing, like, um, photos, all that kind of stuff for anybody who's like out of the, out of the norm in wedding world. Um, and I don't do so much of the day to day anymore, but anytime I see any fellow photographer who's producing amazing work that would fit into like the purpose of catalyst, I'm always like, you need to be in catalyst. You need to be in catalyst and that kind of stuff. Nice. So a real, uh, community that didn't exist before. Yes, exactly. And I'm so glad that now we sort of like paved the way for a lot of other publications. I was just um, learning about there's one now called Dancing with Her out of Australia, and they have a companion one called Dancing with Them. So they're really highlighting like um, lesbian weddings and weddings with people who are sort of gender nonconforming and um so I feel like we kind of were like this first wave a few years ago, and now more folks are are coming to the table. And it's just so exciting to see wedding media as a whole becoming more inclusive and more diverse, because more inclusive and more diverse is also more representative of the people who are getting married. Absolutely. 
How does that feel for you personally, knowing that you were a piece of it? I mean, it's exciting and it's awesome. I, I definitely sometimes have to squash down my instinct to be like, oh, when I was starting out, this wasn't a thing, you know, we were there in the beginning. Um, but honestly, I'm very inspired by working, having worked with Gloria and how she's very, um, she's very excited for all of the subsequent waves of feminism that have happened after the one that she was sort of like the poster woman for, um, because it really does help everybody to have more and more people, um, having these conversations and lifting up all these other voices. So it's exciting. Sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm like, don't forget we did it first, but that's not, that's not like when I'm at my best, you know? Yeah, but that's a natural yeah. <laughs> I mean, you do, you have to take credit, you know, for, for what you have done and where True. a lot of us, including myself, have a hard time, like giving ourselves pats on the back. But I mean, yeah, it's a little gendery too, I think, personally, you know, I have to agree with you on that. Yeah. yeah so yeah. So I'm working on it. Good, good. Well, let me I'm patting you on the back virtually. Thank you. Thanks. But that's a different thing. I'm patting myself on the back. Everybody, yeah, everybody pause right now. Everybody pause together. Pat yourself on the back. Come on, Carly. Especially women. Yes. Yes. We don't, we don't do it enough. Why? Well, I won't go into why we don't think, why we don't think. We, that's a whole, why don't we? Well, likability. It's a whole thing. That's another podcast episode. I, I want to end by asking you about, I love the term, the, the, what you've created this term here now, magic. How is magic created by the here and now? Well, in the original, the original concept was the fact that when you share by, when you share space with another human, biologically things change in your body. Your breathing syncs up with the other person. Oftentimes you'll mirror their um, gestures or their body language. Sometimes when someone has an accent, you'll like subconsciously bring that accent into your own vocabulary. There's just like this special thing that happens when we're in person. And I wanted to encourage people to lean into that more because for lack of a better word, lean in, that's a whole other thing. Um, I was wanted to encourage people to prioritize that more because when we're not in our, um, quarantine situation, it's easy to think that you're building true connections with people online. Um, but it's different when you're in person. And it, I, it's funny because I actually think of when I ran into you at WPPI, you know, we had been emailing, it was on my list to email you like it wasn't I hadn't forgotten, but it was definitely on like the back burner while we were at this conference and doing other stuff. And then as soon as I walked past you, I saw you, it was like a spark, you know, and like, there's this like magnetic, there's a magnetism or a spark of electricity or something. When you are in someone's physical space, and you're saying, Hey, let's make a thing. Let's do a thing. Let's do this. Let's do that. Um, so the that's like the magic of being here now at the same time with another person. 
what it means for the internet age, for the quarantine times, I can't really say. I don't know. Um, it means... I guess being grateful for those moments when we had them and looking forward to them in the future and trying to channel them as much as you can um, through the internet, but it's different, you know? It is different, but I, you know, where this is, it's important to, to know that, to think about that, to think about the science of it, um, to study the science of it right now. I mean, I love all of the, quantum physics you know and all these all the things that that I've been learning about in the past just you know years not and and just coming to understand what those how we can how the physical I don't even know what I'm trying to say other than like (laughs) that that how we connect as humans um in person how we connect with with the world at large um, is, is something very different and special than we can see physically. Yes. A hundred percent. There's something there. We don't really know what it is. I guess even science only knows so much, but it's funny because at one of our, at one of our feminist photo vacay trips last summer, we went to Salem, Massachusetts, and we had hired somebody to come and teach us, or really lead a workshop, like a get to know you workshop as an icebreaker. And when we were talking to this woman, she told us that when she and her wife got married, they had a photographer, but the photographer never gave them the photos. And of course, all, this had happened years ago. And of course, everybody in the room as wedding photographers were all like appalled. And we were like, absolutely not. That's not okay. We're going to take photos of you. So we asked her to get her wife the next day and come back and do photos with us. And she said, yes, but her wife was a little bit hesitant and they ended up kind of having a little bit of conflict about it, but they still came and did the photos with us. And the photos were so fun. They ended up having a great time. It was really like we, you know, did our wedding photographer thing. It ended up being kind of more like an engagement shoot or like a couple shoot. We walked around Salem. It was really nice. And afterwards she was like, I had no idea. She said to us, I I had no idea that in addition to like knowing the light, knowing your cameras and all of the like technical stuff that you are doing as photographers, you are energy workers. Like you're, you took our energy, which was like kind of negative going into it. And you used your powers or whatever they are, your skills to like turn that energy into something positive. And I was like, exactly. That's the whole there's like an entire other element besides the technical, besides the business, besides like the art of like the visual picture. And it's this whole, you're, we're working with people's energies and we're, we're helping them like transform their energy. Um, and so hearing that was definitely like helping to reinforce this here now magic idea, because it's, it's all about like the energy of, interpersonal transact interactions it's so beautiful yes because that's that it's exactly it's energy and energy is vibration and that is when people are together that's what happens yeah totally and I know that some people are like that's very woo it's so oh it's you know whatever it's like tarot cards and and crystals but like it's a fact 
that there's something going on when two people or group of people are in a space together. There's something there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Fear No Magic is about embracing that and savoring it whenever it's available to us. Well, when the time comes, I can't <laughs> wait for us to partner together and take people to Cuba. And yes, Fear No Magic, no Magic Cuba. Cuba. It will happen. <laughs> It's going new. Oh, yeah. It will happen. Carly, thank you so much. Um, I love this conversation. Where can people follow you, find you? Uh, I know you've got a lot of different projects going on, as you said at the top, the serial project uh, maker. So what's yeah. the best way for people to follow you? Let's just stick to two things. Wedding photography is Carly Romeo and co. And that's on Instagram and Facebook and Instagram or here now magic is just here now magic on Instagram. And if you want to see anything from my photographer trips that I've done already, um, it, the hashtag is feminist photo vacay and vacay is spelled V A Y C A Y. It's a long story. That's just what it is. Vacay. Yeah, vacay. It's the phonetic way to spell it. It's like I chose to die on that hill like six years ago when I started it. And now I'm just going with it. Just go with it. It works. I love it. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Carly. And uh, just thank you for having me. A pleasure. Uh, thank you for joining me from your home to my home. Um, this is what we do during these times. And we're making it work, we're making it work. Um, hope everybody out there is making it work and staying safe, staying sound, uh, staying healthy. Uh, I'm Kenna Klosterman and you've been listening to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. Be sure to follow all things Carly Romeo in all the ways that we just talked about. We'll put all those links uh, in the show notes. Um, here at Creative Live, we believe that there is a creator and a photographer in all of us, and that means you. Uh, especially in these times, hopefully you are allowing yourself to get in touch with that creativity. And we have a lot of ways that we at Creative Live uh, can provide you tools um, to get in touch with that creativity health, wellness, all the things um, that, that folks need right now. You can go to creativelive.com slash on air. You can see everything that is playing for free. We have something called the Creator Pass, where we have access for you to over 2,000 classes in our catalog. So you can go and check that out. Go to creativelive.com slash TV. We're going to be bringing you all kinds of new live programming, specifically right on that channel from the world of entertainment performances to conversations uh, like this one uh, with Carly. Um, and if you haven't already, you can subscribe, rate, and review the We Are Photographers podcast wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. So thank you again to Carly Romeo, and thank you everyone. I will see you all next week for another episode of We Are Photographers. <laughs>